what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. As we have gathered this morning, God is giving us a great privilege to bring all our burdens, all our concerns, all our worries, and lay them at His feet. Don't allow this opportunity to pass you by so that we will not be carrying unnecessary burden. We will not be doing things that are not in accordance with the will of God. That God will help us to understand how He wants us to live as children of the kingdom. Present yourself before God this morning and say, God, speak to my heart. God, lift everybody and teach me how to live my life every day so that I will not be carrying unnecessary burden and wear myself down and be taken out of the path that you want me to go. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Our precious God, we want to appreciate you once again. Thank you, Father Lord, because you are a great friend. Lord, all our burdens we lay at your feet. And Lord, we speak, Father Lord, consigning them, that Lord, we will not take them back. And Lord, our hearts shall be open to serve you and to live in accordance with your will all the days of our lives. Thank you, Father Lord, for what you do in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Praise the Lord. I want to appreciate God once again this morning for granting us this great opportunity to share his word. And the topic we'll be looking at this morning says, Take no thoughts. Take no thoughts. That's our topic for this morning. And our focus is on kingdom living. The lifestyle of the kingdom of God. That's what we're focusing on this morning. And when we look at the word thoughts, what does it mean? Thought simply means a feeling of care or worry or being anxious. That's the simple meaning of the word thoughts. A feeling of care, of worry and of being anxious. If we remember that the passage where we read as our text in Matthew chapter 6, that Jesus was teaching his disciples. He was teaching them the principles of the kingdom, the things they should do if they want to represent the kingdom of God here on earth. And uh, he was focusing in this passage where we read on cares of this life and on being anxious and worrying about things of this life. If we look at that passage in Matthew chapter 6, from verse 25 to verse 34, we observe that from verse, verse 25 to verse 34, just 10 verses, that Jesus mentioned the word worry five times. Just within 10 verses of the Bible. In some versions, they use anxious. So whether your own is anxious or worry, you see it mentioned five times. And this is to show you the emphasis Jesus is laying on this issue of being anxious or worrying about the things of this life. And before that verse 25, in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talked about 
the impossibility of us serving two masters. He said that when we try to serve two masters, that it will not work. We will either serve God or we serve mammon. And then it was on the strength of that verse 24 that he now began the statement he made in verse 25. And if we look at different versions of the Bible, how verse 25 started. If we look at New Living Translation, he says, So I tell you, don't worry. If we look at New King James Version, he says, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. And if we look at American Standard Version, he said, For this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious. So, you discover that what Jesus is addressing in the passage where we read was on the strength of the statement he made in verse 24. That there's no way we can serve two masters. There's no way we can serve God and mammon at the same time. That we either please this one or displease the other. So Jesus is saying that as children of God and as children of the kingdom, we cannot be serving God and be serving mammon. And the only way to show us that we are serving mammon is when we start worrying. When we start, when we become anxious about the things of this life, how to acquire them or how to get them or how to keep them or how to sustain ourselves in this life. And in verse 32, he says that God knows that we have these needs. Whatever need you have in this life, God is aware that you have that need. Do you agree with me? Whatever need, whatever problem, whatever burden you have or you are carrying, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how difficult, no matter how long you have carried it, God knows that you have that need. God knows that you have that burden. God knows about it. And then, Jesus equally made it clear in verse 27 that no matter how long we worry, no matter how long we burden our heart concerning business, concerning our problems, that we cannot change a single thing. So it's a useless effort. It's a wasted effort. It cannot amount to anything good. It can only hurt us. It can only harm us. We cannot benefit anything from being worried or from being anxious. And another statement, another thing that Jesus said in verse 30, he said that when we start worrying that we are behaving like unbelievers or pagans, those who do not know God, those who do not believe in God, those who do not worship God. So how do I know whether somebody is an unbeliever. That's the statement of Jesus. I'm just trying to elaborate on it. I'm not the person that said it. He said, when you start worrying about your problem, you are behaving like who? Like an unbeliever. You are behaving like a pagan. You are behaving like somebody who does not know God. So we now ask ourselves, what should be our attitude to our needs? What should be our attitude to our needs? And before we go into that, I want to make it clear 
Because some people will misunderstand what we are saying and think that God is encouraging laziness or think that God is encouraging people to be less affair about issues that concern them. Because you discover that some people take it to the other side. And then when they should take things serious, they don't take it serious. If you go to some families, you see that you notice that we have some irresponsible people in the family, whether they are fathers or mothers. Am I making a good point? Is it true? We have some irresponsible fathers and some irresponsible mothers who will not work hard or to take care of their family, who will not work hard to meet the needs of the family. It's not what I'm talking about. If you have responsibility, God expects you to work hard to do what? To meet your um, responsibility. Or you see somebody that has an exam and he's saying, uh, God said I should not worry. And the person will not read. No. That's not what we are talking about. And so, God expects us to do what? To take up our responsibility. And with him, he will help us to meet up with them. Praise the Lord. So, if you are not meeting up with the expectation that God has of you, please do your homework. And God will bless you in Jesus' name. So, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Let's see how we should, what should be our attitude towards our needs. Philippians chapter 4. I'll read verse 6 and verse 7. Say, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Verse 7. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Bible is telling us when we have needs, when we have problems, when we have burdens, when we have concerns, we should do what? We should take it to God in prayer. Even in the prophecy this morning, God is worried about our nation. And what has he said we should do? We should go and buy guns and start fighting. We should go and start cursing people. We should go and start uh, uh, doing demonstration. God said we should pray. Praise the Lord. So, say, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about every concern. Pray about every need. Pray about every problem. Don't say this one. What should I pray about? Pray about present it before God. He said, tell God what you need. Be specific. God, look at what I need. And thank him for all that he has done. Another thing we do is that we don't thank God for the ones he has done already. We only allow the ones that remains undone to overwhelm us. So we don't even say thank you. We don't appreciate what God has done. And we keep presenting and bombarding him with new ones. Say when we pray, presenting our needs, presenting our problems, presenting our burdens, our concerns to God, we should thank him for what he has done. And he said if you do this, we will experience God's peace. Praise the Lord. He said we will experience God's peace in the midst of problems, in the midst of burdens, 
in the midst of concerns, when people are fighting, when people are worrying, when people are running up and down because of anxiety, because of worry, God said in the midst of that problem, that burden, that situation, that will experience God's peace. And it's not ordinary peace, so it's not ordinary peace. He said that this peace passes all human understanding. Because nobody that is not a child of God will understand why you are carrying so much burden. Where the person knows what you are carrying. The person knows what you are passing through. The person knows the things that how these things have become difficult for you. And the person always sees you joyful. The person always sees you at peace. The person always sees you happy. The person always sees you carry on as if there is no problem. What is the secret? You have committed those problems into the hands of God. And you have absolute confidence in God's ability to take care of them. When that happens, you discover that you'll be joyful. You will be relieved of that burden. Praise the Lord. I don't know if we understand what we are doing. So God is saying we should be anxious for nothing. We should be anxious for nothing. It's a command. And if you remember what we said at the beginning, this is the kind of life that when we are living, kingdom living, it shows, it manifests to everybody that we are children of the kingdom. It's not about argument. It's about living out the life of the kingdom. And if we go to First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he said, Casting all your burdens upon him, because he cares. God wants us to bring our problems to him. Don't say this one is too big. Don't say this one is too small. Don't say this one doesn't concern God. All our problems, they concern God. The hymn that we just sang now, it talks about, it says, What a friend we have in Jesus, who all our problems, all our cares, he wants us to bring them to him. Say, there is no other friend that will be so close to do such a thing for us. But there is something we do. Because sometimes we pray. We pray so much. Many of us pray so much. Many of us pray. They pray and pray. They pray for three days. They pray seven days. Some pray 21 days. And they are praying and praying and praying. But let's look at James chapter 4. To see why God does not answer. We don't receive answers to some of the prayers. In James chapter 4. If we read verse 1, from verse 1, because we are looking at what we should do, or what should be our attitude to the needs around us. So we want to equally draw our attention to some of the wrong things we do, and we think we are doing the right thing, when before God it is not right. He said from verse 1, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it the whole army of evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous for what others have, and you can't possess it. So you fight and quarrel to take it away from them. And yet the reason, and yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what you will give you pleasure. pleasure. Praise the Lord. You want only what will give you pleasure. My neighbor has bought a new car. 
Why should I be driving the old one? Are those things need? They are not needs. They are wants. You say you want this, you want that, you don't get it. You quarrel with uh, yourselves. You quarrel among yourselves. The quarrel might not be open. Do you know that some quarrels are not open? The person you are quarreling with don't even know that you are quarreling with him or her. Yeah, but your attitude towards that person shows that you are quarreling. And what is the genesis? What is the foundation of that quarrel? The person you, you, you feel inside you that the person is doing better than you. So you are jealous. You quarrel. You fight. You want to have what the person has. But you don't get it. Even when you camouflage and go and pray about it, God will not give you because he knows that you don't need it. That old car is still taking you. That house you are still living in, there is no problem with it. That a member of the church or your friend built a house, that doesn't mean you must build your own house. You can still be a tenant and go to heaven. Is it not true? You can be a tenant and go to heaven. Is it not true? But you go and fight. You have, I must get my own. And you go into all manner of uh, things. You go into dubious things because you want to build your own house. My, uh, my neighbor's child is attending this school. Why should my own be attending the other one? This one is for high class people. Why are you killing yourself? Is that one a need? So when you pray for such needs or such wants, God will not answer. So that we don't mistake and say, I have been praying and praying and God has not answered my prayer. And another thing is, do we trust God enough to allow him to take care of our needs? You know, sometimes we just pray, come up, we pray, pray, and feel that God is not answering. Then we take over. The burden we have led at his feet, we'll do what? We'll go back and take the burden and carry it and wear it and we'll go around with it and we we'll start steaming. We we'll start looking for how to solve our problems. And that leads us into a lot of things that are not according to the will of God. Or do we show through the way we live? That we don't believe that God is capable of meeting our needs and taking care of us. So, and the, the next thing we'll look at is what are the consequences of taking thoughts? What are the consequences of worrying? What are the consequences of being anxious? In James chapter 1 from verse 12. James chapter 1 from verse 12. He says, God blesses the people who patiently endure testing. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, no one who wants to do wrong should ever say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else either. Verse 14. Temptation comes from the layer of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions. And the evil actions lead to death. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes we say that we are being tempted. This place is trying to let us know where temptation comes from. Temptation does not come from God. Temptation comes from the things we desire to have. The things we desire to have. I want to have this. I want to have that. And we become anxious over those things. And before you know it, we'll be drawn away. Let us look at an example in the Bible of somebody who who allowed uh, a desire to draw him away, to do evil. Let's look at Second Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. 
is the story of uh, Elisha and then Gehazi. Gehazi was the servant of Elisha. And uh, a time came when um, Naaman, who had leprosy, was cured by Elisha. And then, after receiving uh, the cure, Naaman went to visit Elisha. And he came with a lot of gifts. And then, when Elisha met him, Elisha says that he will not collect anything from Naaman. Say, I will not collect anything from you. You should go home and go and serve God. But what happened in verse 20 of that second Kings chapter 5? In verse 20, Gehazi said to himself, My master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting his gift. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. Praise the Lord. What do you think that made Gehazi to take such a decision? You know, he was serving the man of God, Elisha. And probably over time, Elisha has been healing people. And when those people come to bring gifts, Elisha will do what? Will refuse. And probably they were not living in a good house. And maybe they didn't have any food reserve. They didn't have any money. And Gehazi was wondering, this man is serving. What will be of my future? By if tomorrow, this man dies, or tomorrow anything happens, I have needs. How will I build my own house? How will I get married? How will I train my own children? How will I become somebody in the society? I must do something about this. If this man does not want to do the right thing, I must do the right thing. And this thought must have been building up in his uh, heart until this opportunity presented itself. And he said, this is it. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the day I have been waiting for. I must not miss this opportunity. Probably the other ones that have been coming were small. But this one was big. It was tangible. It's something somebody can hold on to. At least, you reserve this one. Keep this one for reserve. In case, if anything happens tomorrow, at least I can start with this one. And this man allowed all these thoughts to build up in his uh, heart. And then, immediately the opportunity came. He fell into it. And we know the rest of the story. How this man ended his ministry. And then his generation became people with leprosy. I don't know if we understood anything from there. So God does not tempt anybody. We are tempted when we allow our desires, the things we want, the things we want to become, anxiety, concern about tomorrow, when we allow it to overwhelm our hearts, then the end result is that it will lead us into sin. If you remember that Gehazi, in verse 22, he even told lies. When Nehemiah asked him, ah, what's the problem? He said, hey, some prophets arrived. Some sons of the prophet arrived just now. As you were just stepping out of the gate, they arrived. And my master said, I should do what? Come and get things for, for them. So you can see what happens. 
He said that his desire, when you are drawn away by your desire, he said it will lead to sin. And the sin will lead to where? It will lead to death. Praise the Lord. If we look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. The consequences of taking thoughts. If we read from verse 6 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. He said that true religion with contentment is great gain. True religion with contentment is great gain. The problem we have today is that people are not contented with what they have today. Everybody wants to become like another person. Even young people want to drive the car that old men are driving. You know, in those days, it's old men that drive cars. Uh And uh, as a young person, even if you are going to drive, there is a type of car you need to drive. But today, young people want to drive big cars. They even know the name, names of the latest cars more than the older ones. And they don't have money. And they will tell you, I will not drive this type of car. They will show you the type of car they will not drive. Meanwhile, they don't even have money to buy the tire of that car they say they will not drive. So, it is somebody lacking contentment. What you don't have, you want to have it. And it will surely lead you to what? To sin you will surely be drawn away. That desire will surely draw you away from God and get you into what God has not planned for you. So, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, from verse 6, he said, True religion with contentment is great wealth. After all, we didn't bring anything with us when we came into the world. And we certainly cannot carry anything with us when we die. So, I hope we are noting this. You didn't come into the world with anything. And when you are living, you are living with nothing. Verse 8. So, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. If we have enough things to sustain us. Uh, Last time, I think it was last month or last two months. Somebody was speaking during the midweek. And he said that some of the things, or most of the things that we worry about, are things we don't need now. There are things we don't need now. There are things we might need tomorrow. We are not even sure we need them. There are situations we are anticipating that they might come tomorrow. We have not seen them. So we are imagining. And we allow those things to wear us down. We become anxious for them. And they they lead us into disobeying God. So if you have food and uh, clothes, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Praise the Lord. That's the end result of those who want to be rich. I want to be rich. I want to be rich. And before you know it, you are drawn, the the desire builds up and by the time it develops, it leads you into sin. It cannot lead you to anything good. Once your desire is to be rich, it's not leading you to anywhere. Is only leading you to destruction. For you, the love of money is the root of all evil. When you start loving money, and some people will say, ah, but I need money. Yes, you need money. If you need money, work hard. God will give you money that you need to solve your problems. But don't desire to be rich. Don't desire to become like Dan Gote. Don't desire to become like that richest man. 
don't desire to be throwing dollar, uh, dollars around and uh, to have a Porsche of, uh, is it 47 million or, or 40 million? The, you don't need those things. That God has called you to serve Him and He has a plan for your life. And that was exactly what happened to Judas Iscariot, who stayed with the Master, who was in the company of Jesus. And Jesus was preaching. He had all the preachings. He had the teachings. He was then with them on the mount when this beatitude was given. But he allowed his desire to get rich to do what? Overwhelm his heart. He was anxious. He was hiding money. He was stealing money. A common post that the disciples had. If there is any donation, if there is any support for ministry, they put it in that post. And he was the treasurer. But what does he do? He dips his hand there and he takes money. And as if the little ones he was taking was not enough, because probably they didn't have so much money. Uh-huh. Jesus will always pray and multiply food. So he didn't need so much money. And he started thinking, how else can I make money? And he discovered that sometimes when Jesus teaches something and the Pharisees get angry with him and they want to kill him, that Jesus always has a way of disappearing. Is it not true? He has a, he has a way of uh, escaping. So he said, this is an opportunity. Let me go and collect money from these people. When they come to arrest him, he will do what? He will disappear. He didn't know it was Satan that was putting that idea in his heart. You know, when we allow things that we need to start, um, how do I put it, developing in our heart, we we'll start thinking about them. We give them time. We meditate on them. Before you know it, devil will start building ideas in our heart. And before you know it, you start taking decisions that ordinarily you wouldn't have um, taken. And what causes this is fear for tomorrow. How will I take care of my tomorrow? When I get older, I will not be able to work uh, very well again. How will I be able to take care of myself? I need to get reserved. When I retire from service, who will take care of me? I need to make extra plans. If my salary is not enough, there is a way other people are making money. And then, let me see what I can do. You know, before you know it, the things you rejected at the beginning, the things that when you see people doing, you know that this thing is unrighteousness. This thing is not godly. Before you know it, because of fear, because of concern, because of anxiety about tomorrow, you will start thinking about them. And what you, once you allow it to enter your heart and you start thinking about them, it is danger. Danger is on the way. May God help us to be careful in Jesus' name. So how are we expected to live? In Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. In New Living Translation, it says, Above all else, Guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Guard what enters your heart. Guard what you allow to enter your heart. Guard your heart. Put a gate on the door of your heart. Don't allow everything to fly into your heart. Don't allow everything people do or say around you to enter your heart. As people are saying, then drop them there. Don't even, if there is any need for you to caution them, caution them. I don't, I'm not interested in all these things. 
make your stand known. So above all else, guard your heart. We must guard our heart in Jesus' name. And in Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1, he says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Set your sights on the realities of uh, heaven. When you set your sights on the realities of heaven, you wouldn't be concerned about the type of car another person is driving. You wouldn't be concerned about the type of house another person is building. You wouldn't be concerned about the extra money somebody is making illegally. You wouldn't be concerned about what people are accumulating that are illegal. It wouldn't concern you. Because where your heart is, is that you are going to heaven. You know that any day you finish your journey on earth, that you have a place in heaven. Let that assurance keep your heart. And you set your sights on the realities of heaven. Say, so we are Christ's at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Because this will make you to realize that all these things that people are parading here, they are of lesser value than what Jesus is preparing for you and I. Praise the Lord. I don't know if we believe it. You know, sometimes we talk as if we believe it. But inside our heart, we don't believe it. So we say, let me get the, this one first. Is it not true? Let me get this one first. A bed in hand is better than a thousand in the bush. That is not godly. God wants us to serve him. And of course, if you are thinking that when you serve God, you will have nothing. Jesus said in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6, Say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and every other thing will be added unto you. And in James chapter and 1 verse 17 say that every good and perfect gift they come from God. Every good and perfect gift is not the one you accumulated, it's not the one you cheated, it's not the one you skimmed, it's not the one you stole. Those ones are not good, they are not perfect. They will not lead you to the kingdom of God. He say, set your sight on the realities of heaven. Where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God in the place of honor and power. My brother, my sister, if you allow that to fill your heart, if you allow that to become your meditation, then nothing will be able to make you to start being anxious about anything in this life. Praise the Lord. Verse 2 of Colossians chapter 3 says, Let heaven fill your thoughts. So if we are at all going to take thoughts, what kind of thought are we supposed to take? Thought of heaven. Thought of what God wants us to do. What does God want me to do? I don't belong here. I belong to the kingdom of God. And for God to have kept me here, there is an assignment. You remember that Jesus prayed for his disciples in John chapter 17. And he said, God, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. But for you to do, keep them from the evil ones. So God has kept us here because there is an assignment for us. And that assignment should occupy our hearts. That should be the thought that we should be taking. If I am to worry, what should worry me is, am I doing the work that God kept me here to do? Praise the Lord. If I am to be anxious, am I, I should be anxious whether I am fulfilling the purpose for which God kept me on the earth. That should be the, my anxiety. That should be my worry. Am I sure that if I drop dead today, that I'm going to heaven? If anything should give me uh, anxiety, if I should worry about anything, then that is what I should worry about. Not about food, 
Not about money. Not about school fees. Not about car. Not about house. Jesus said, when I seek his kingdom and his righteousness, those other things will be added unto me. Praise the Lord. He said, for you died when Christ died. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Praise the Lord. Your real life is not the person I'm seeing now. That's not your real life. Your real life died when Christ died. And the, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So all the things that you allow to occupy your heart, to weigh you down, to lead you into sin, to lead you into ungodliness, they are not worth it. Except if you have not died with Christ. Praise the Lord. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and verse 9, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing. As I close this letter, fix your thought on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And uh, you cannot see anything that is excellent. You cannot see anything that is admirable. You cannot see anything that is praiseworthy that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. He said, let us think on these things. Let us take thought about these things. Let us fix our thoughts. Fix. He said, fix. Let us fix our thoughts on these things. Let our meditation be how to live a godly life. Let my meditation be how to please God and represent Jesus in my office. Let my meditation, let the thoughts of my heart be my concern on how I am going to represent Jesus in my business place. Even though unrighteousness is raining all around me, but my concern is how to please God. In the school, wherever I find myself, how do I please God? How do I bring glory to the name of God? And in verse 9, he says, Keep putting into practice all you learn from me and have from me, and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. Praise the Lord. So, as we conclude, let us see what Jesus did when he found himself in a difficult situation. As we can see in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Matthew 26, verse 36. When the time of Jesus' crucifixion was coming, Jesus did not find it easy. Because if we are talking about these things, you say, these things, Jesus said this thing because he was God. But he faced his own reality. And let us see what happened. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, it says, Then Jesus brought them to an olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go ahead. I go on ahead and pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he began to fear, he began to be filled with anguish and deep distress. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went on a little further and fell face down to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will, not mine. Praise the Lord. So Jesus was faced with a difficult situation, a difficult circumstance. He was consigned. But what did he do? He called for prayers. He was not only praying, he asked his disciples to do what? To pray with him. 
it was a difficult thing. And that is the example we should follow. No matter how difficult, no matter how challenging, no matter how real, no matter how threatening the situation is. Because we know that our worrying, our being anxious, will only lead us to disobey God. It will only lead us to sin. It will only lead us to become unbelievers. It will only lead us to behave like uh, pagans. Then the only option left for us is to follow Jesus' example. To pray and to ask our brethren to do what? To pray with us. And in our praying, that difficult situation must not go. <laughs> that, because Jesus only didn't go. God didn't answer his prayer. Do you know? God didn't answer the prayer. But we remember that he was strengthened to face that uh, situation because it was the will of God. So let us not take the will of God out of our situation. If we remember where we read in James chapter 1 verse 12, he said that when any man in, he said uh, 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 somebody, a uh, man is blessed when he patiently endures trials. So there is trial in Christianity. The one that we are hearing now, that once you become a child of God, there is no problem. It is not the word of God. Except if you show me in the Bible where it is written. There is trial. The Bible said that any person who will live a righteous life must suffer persecution. We must pass through trials. We must pass through temptations. And the Bible said that that is the only way. It is only through trials and temptations that will enter the kingdom of God. Have you read it in the Bible? Have you read it? That it is only through trials and temptations that we will enter the kingdom of God. So why don't we face reality? Why are we deceiving ourselves? Let us be anxious for nothing and follow the example that God has left us and it will be well with us in Jesus' name. So, what do you do when faced with life challenges? Do you pray seeking God's intervention or do you start worrying and looking for solutions around no matter where it's coming from, no matter who is bringing the solution, you jump into it because you want a way out of your problem. And finally, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's the word of God for us this morning. Say we should trust him with all our hearts. There should be no reserve. We shouldn't reserve anything. God wants us to trust him with all our hearts. It is only when we start trusting God with all our hearts that the issue of being anxious, the issue of being worried, the issue of taking thoughts or being concerned, the issue of being drawn away into sin and destruction will come to an end. So my brethren, I want to encourage you this morning. God says, trust in him with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Your limited understanding. Your human understanding. He said, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Let us pray. Have you been trusting God with all your heart? Concerning your needs. Concerning your problems. Concerning your burdens. Or have you been bearing them? Have you been so worried? Have you been anxious about things of this life? About your tomorrow? You worry and worry. And it leads you into sin. 
It leads you into compromise. It leads you into telling lies. It leads you into cheating. It leads you into quarrel. It leads you into a lot of things that are ungodly. And your life, instead of being drawn closer to God, you are being drawn farther and farther away from God. Can you say, God, have mercy on me? Can you say, God, have mercy on me? And peradventure, you are not even born again. You know that we are not talking and talk, we are not talking about you. Then anxiety should be your, your, your way of living life. Worrying should be your lifestyle. But Jesus wants to bring them to an end. He's giving you an opportunity this morning. Are you here? You have not given your life to Jesus. You are carrying a lot of burden. Say, come unto me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Jesus wants to give you rest. If you have not given your life to Jesus, do you want to continue the way you are living? If you want to give your life to Jesus, can I see your hand so that we pray together? I want to give my life to Jesus and join those that he spoke to this morning. Those that should live kingdom lifestyle. Those that should daily bring their burdens and problems before God. Somebody that is not a child of God cannot bring his problems before God. The only problem he can bring before God is God have mercy upon me, I'm a sinner. That's the only problem. That's the only prayer God hears or answers when a sinner prays. Are you here? You have not given your life to Jesus. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. My Lord and my Savior, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to be called your child. But because you love me, you sent your son Jesus Christ. And he died for me. And paid the price of my sins. Lord, have mercy upon me. I confess my sins before you this morning. Forgive me. Cleanse me from every unrighteousness. Cancel my name from the book of death. And write my name in the book of life. And give me the power, the right, and authority to be your child. In Jesus' name. I want all of us to commit ourselves into the hands of God. Ask the Lord to take away every burden, every worry, that you are laying them at his feet. No matter what that problem is, no matter what that need is, no matter what that circumstance is, ask that the Lord will take them over and give you peace that passes all understanding so that your life will become a light for the Gentiles to see so that you will not start behaving as unbelievers. Thank you, Father, for your word which has come expressly to our hearts and our situations. Thank you, Lord, for your Son whom you have used. Father, we reject those thoughts which serve as thorns that choke your word to prevent them from bearing fruits to maturity. Lord, Father, we instead take up your word and believe you in our hearts. We choose to believe you who we do not see. We choose to believe your word that cannot be broken. We choose you, Father, and we retain peace by believing you. Thank you, O God. Help us evermore always to choose to believe you. When we are faced with circumstances, when we are faced with trials and temptations, when we are faced with all kinds of suggestions, help us to choose you and to launch out and fall into the everlasting arms for they will never leave us. Thank you, Father. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.